The following podcast is sponsored by you. If you'd like to donate to help us continue providing the best VCU men's basketball podcast out there, please use the link in the show notes for this episode. Proceeds from your donations will be used to pay for hosting fees, which are the most expensive ongoing part of providing this show. Thank you in advance, and go Rams! Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back at all of the action from VCU men's basketball. After each game, our host George Templeton talks live on Facebook with Ram fans and gives his take on the team's performance. And now, here's George. And that's the first championship, and hopefully the first of at least two for VCU. Welcome to Rams Rewind. On a championship night, a regular season championship night. Thank you for listening out there in podcast land. Live here in the good, the bad, and the ugly group. If you like what you hear and you want to help us out and slip us a little dinero, there is a link, a link to the PayPal on Podbean and your other podcast platforms. And you can do that and we'll shout you out. And we've got a bunch of people to shout out. (laughs) <laughs> because so many of you have been so nice and have been supporting us. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you, Carlos Diaz, for doing that. Thank you, Corey Parrott, who just did it during the game. I really appreciate that. Thank you, and I'm losing my shot here. Where the heck was it? The other There were two other folks that did too. Uh, let me see here. Thank you, Dwayne Dagenhart, and whoever support my dots is – Thank you, thank you, thank you for donating. We really appreciate it. And yes, Mike Urbanski, Ryan Thompson, Nick Kern tonight. Nick Kern was magnificent, except for the foul trouble, uh, which uh, uh, is the only thing that kept him and probably VCU from running away with this game. And and I I love what the uh, I love what the doggone Announcer said he said in the first half saying that that's when uh, that's when the game changed and it absolutely did. Uh, VCU looked like they were going to pull away, and Nick Kern got in foul trouble, uh, and and that's when it went sideways. And we can talk about twelve points, four rebounds, and assist, and I think he had a couple steals too. Nick Kern, I don't know. I, let me see here. Good lord, they had fourteen steals tonight. And the only person who didn't have a steal was Josh Banks. Nick Kern had one steal tonight. We can talk about all that because in 17 minutes, that's fantastic. But you only need one metric to talk about how great Nick Kern was. And that is plus 17. Nick Kern on the floor, plus 17. Jay Nunn almost caught up to him, but he was far and away our best <coughs> plus minus uh, guy tonight. Far away, um, defense, making the right pass. You know, he only had the one assist tonight. He should have had a couple other ones that didn't finish it. And and you know what, Mike Urbanski, it's a great point. Nick Kern, Jalen Deloach, Jameer Watkins, Jaden Nunn, all sophomores, all of them could 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 just can make significant leaps. Kern is making the leap now. It's too bad that he was kind of quiet the first half of the season because you talk about a sixth man 
He'd be up there. Of course, he's starting now, so he probably wouldn't even be eligible for that. Nick Kern was marvelous tonight, 6-7 from the field. And really, bar the eight minutes at the end of the first half, when VCU was 0-11 and played some of the most brain-dead, selfish, terrible basketball tonight, they still almost shot 50%. They almost shot 50% tonight. You take that eight minutes away, they're 29 of 49. I mean, that is tremendous. That is tremendous when you think about it. And look, there are so many great things that happened tonight. That, and we're going to spend a lot of time on all of them because this is a special night. This is the second time we've won the regular season outright since we've joined this conference. So it's a big deal. And, you know, chapeau to Mike Rhodes and this coaching staff for that, first of all. Um, this was not a team that looked like it could go 14-4 or 15-3. and three. <clears throat> Oh, I, I, Ryan Thompson, I'll get to that. Just as I'll get to what you said, Darren Grimes, because, again, just shows you about this team. And, and why they can be so dangerous. But let's th- let's talk about that. A second regular season championship for Mike Rhodes with a team that in December, I'm not I don't have them 14 and 4, 15 and 3, which is what they can finish. Not me, no way. Uh you know, you look you looked at the Memphis game when they couldn't score and they had no idea on offense. The Temple game when they couldn't stop anybody. You, look, you looked at that game against Jacksonville. <clears throat> and then look, this team's 1-1 one one after the Duquesne game. 1-1 one one after the Duquesne game where, as I've said many times before, pay no attention to the final score. They got strafed. They got absolutely run out of that building. And that's part of it, Mike Urbanski. Nick Kern going into the lineup changed everything. Changed everything for this team. Because he, he was always a guy giving us juice. But him being in the lineup, he's gone to another level. Because, again, responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. And he has embraced it. And, you know, Watkins has driven us crazy at times. But Watkins is not sulked and pouted. And even though he had a couple of really awful plays tonight, and I wanted to, I wanted to just – I was going to lose it with him. Watkins ended up with a good game off the bench tonight. But Nick Kern, Nick Kern's development is magnificent. And it, and it really is that. That is, you know, it'll be interesting. I'll go back and check that uh, later, Frank Hyde. That might be worth mentioning for VCU by the numbers, which will be tomorrow. That is Wednesday. Um, just a tremendous – he's just been tremendous. And no, Kevin G, we don't want to fire the coach. But the coach deserves criticism at times. And if they lost this game, his unwillingness to use a timeout in that last eight minutes when they played absolutely terribly would have been would have been would have been the thing we would have been talking about. But let's give him credit. Outside of that eight minutes, tremendous on offense. Could have been a little better at the foul line, but hey, there's where Jay Nunn is great tonight. And Jay Nunn, let's talk about him. Let's talk about Jaden Nunn tonight. Jaden Nunn gets the Yuri Collins assignment. And until the end of the game, Yuri Collins, they, you know, was scoreless. You know, it, it was 9-23 to go when he got his first basket. 9-23 to go when he's got his first basket. 
And, you know, some people will say, oh, he had eight assists. Yes, he did. But that's under his average one, and he had eight turnovers. Jaden Nunn's defense was fantastic tonight. And because he was expending that much energy on defense, it was going to be hard for him to make any jump shots tonight. And that showed it was two for eight. Two for eight. But Jaden Nunn, when this team's missing foul shots left, right, and sideways, how many one-for-two trips were there? Goodness gracious. Jaden Nunn goes eight for eight at the foul line. I think that's all in the second half, too. Yes, Jaden Nunn, who, by the way, leads all scores in the second half with ten points, eight for eight from the foul line. And that, my friends, is how you win in March. You've got to be able to go to the foul line and make the crucial free throws and make them in the last five minutes of a game. Because, yes, it matters if you miss them early. Believe me, I watched, you know, there was a, I watched Norfolk State come from 29 down, but they lost the game because they were 19 to 30 from the foul line, and they missed a bunch of them early in the game. But you got to make them down the stretch. He made them down the stretch. Uh, we ended up just above our average for the game. 19 to 26, 73 percent. 15 to 21 in the second half, which again is passable. It's just you had so many one for twos. You had two front ends of the morning, one missed. That's tough. But Jaden Nunn was money at the foul line, made an absolutely huge difference. Great job. Love Jaden Nunn's game tonight. Love Jalen Deloach's game tonight. Talk about stuff in the stat sheet. Good gravy. Jalen Deloach tonight gets you the points, 14 points, in spite of the, in spite of the doggone uh, fouls. Five rebounds, two blocks, two of the biggest plays of this game. St. Louis is leading. VCU's kind of spinning their wheels early in the second half. And twice, St. Louis gets the break, and it should absolutely be a basket. Jimerson thinks he's got a layup for sure. Deloach swats that away. VCU comes down and scores. Yuri Collins thinks he's going to have his first basket. Jalen Deloach no-serves him, goes down, and ends up a foul. And, and, and Johns goes to the line, and he makes one out of two. And so instead of four points for St. Louis, which I think at the time would have put them probably about six or seven points up, Goes the other way, game's tied. Shriver's three was huge, Chris Conway. Absolutely right. And yes, Mike Urbanski, Watkins needs to fix. Watkins, and he, and he did it once tonight. Watkins made the right play and passed it off, and it was a dunk. But, you know, he did it, and who else did it too? Banks did it. Both of them coming down on fast breaks, and it's just like if you pass the ball, it's a layup, and they both get a charge. And I, I really thought at that point my head was going to wobble right off my body. But, yes, Jameer, again, the man is a the man, he is a Windex man, Jameer. Leads the team in rebounds again, seven rebounds. Seven rebounds for Jameer Watkins, and only Forrester ends up with more, ten. Watkins and John sharing the, sharing the load with rebounds. I'll get to that, Daniel Carter, because you're absolutely right about that, especially it's Collins missing them, too. And look, what have we always said? We don't need VCU to be the best rebounding team in the country. We need them to be competitive. Plus one total rebounds, minus four offensive rebounds, which isn't great, 
They only lose second chance points by two. Okay. Look, a lot of nights, that's going to be okay. And let me get to what Daniel Carter mentioned because it did help us. Jerry Collins is a great player, but you can't beat a point guard and go one for four from the foul line. <laughs> big misses down the stretch. Big, big, big misses down the stretch. And that's why this thing got away. That's why this thing got away. And one thing about Baldwin, he doesn't go, he didn't get to the foul line tonight, but Ace Baldwin's been money at the foul line plenty of times, including that first game against St. Louis. Um, and, and you're absolutely right about Mike, Mike Urbanski. Ace Baldwin came out of that halftime and made some big shots, and they were tough shots, and that got VCU going. And look, 16 to 26 from the second half, 61%. Going to be hard to beat us when that happens. And here's the other key. Four threes is all they took. Four threes is all they took. And Shriver made the only one going bullish. But that's the thing. Attacking the paint. This team is so good when they go to the line, when they go and attack the paint. And I mean, look. You score 52 points in the paint. That's what they did tonight. 50, I think it's 52-36. 52 points in the paint. It's hard to lose. It is hard to lose. And they get 79, which is, remember, that's better than what they did at St. Louis when Ace went ballistic. Now let's talk about the dadgum referees, since everybody's mentioning it, Steve Floyd, Bradley Heath, many others. At least they started finally calling some things on St. Louis later in the game. In the second half, because I'll tell you something, there were some ticky-tack cows in that first half, especially on Kern, and God knows, I was seeing VCU players constantly getting bumped and nothing was getting called. And then they call that thing on Ace. And you're trying to say he stuck his leg out. I'm going to stand up for this just for a moment for the people in the good and the bad and the ugly group. Sorry, podcast land, but i got to demonstrate this. Ace is holding the ball like this. His leg is, he doesn't stick his leg out as the guy's coming by. His leg is out. He's holding the ball low, which is where he's comfortable holding it because you see him, he's got that low kind of John Morant dribble, the walk in the dog dribble, I think they call it. And he does that because it's very hard to take the ball off of him because you got to get low and you almost have to hit his arm and get a foul. And if he made any mistake, maybe he moves his body and catches the guy to try to draw a foul, but he doesn't stick his leg out, and he gets tapped on the head, and they call an offensive foul? What is that? What is that? Oh, my gosh. And it, and, and it was still just about close enough that you're like, oh, God, they might just let them come back, and that would be terrible. Thank you. Goodness, thank goodness that didn't make a difference. Boy, some of these referees' calls were just, ah, they were terrible. They were terrible. But VCU overcame that. They got to the foul line. And look, here we are complaining about the referees, and VCU gets 12 more foul shots, granted a lot of that came at the end. Uh, so, and, and part of it is, too, like, like the announcer said, and it's definitely true, Nick Kern getting in foul trouble, Deloach getting in foul trouble. If them two guys play the minutes that they probably would have played normally, 
This game's probably a route. Jaloge played 26, which is pretty good. Kern only played 17 minutes, and he was fantastic. Fantastic. And okay, and I forgot, the, and I mentioned the six guys in double figures. Uh, Baldwin 12, Deloach 14, Nunn 12, Kern 12, Johns 11, Watkins 10. Beautiful. And Shriver 8. So he almost got there. Uh, let's all, oh, call out for Zeb Jackson tonight. Doesn't score. Three assists, one turnover in 11, in 11 minutes. Zeb Jackson made a lot of good decisions tonight. Made one really bad decision. Made a lot of good decisions tonight. And and one of them, that passed to Little Oach, he's on the baseline. God only knows why two guys went to him because he's, he's hemmed in on the baseline. He's got nowhere to go. Holy smokes, he makes that pass and Deloach finishes it. Beautiful. Chef's kiss. Wonderful. My, if there's any disappointment I have is that Zeb only played 11 minutes. But I love... I loved what Zeb did tonight, even though he didn't score. You know, he had a couple of good three-point look. He had a good three-point look, didn't go in. And here, and, and it was funny. VCU shoots six for thirty in the two games against St. Louis and wins them both. <laughs> Unbelievable! But at least they were smart in the second half and just quit shooting them. And why would? And that's the whole thing. When you're when you're getting piling up the fouls on the other team and you're in the double bonus, and when you're so good at scoring in the paint, you may not be the best foul shooting team in the world, but why would you? Why would you jack that shot up from the outside when you could drive in and either get fouled or maybe drop it off and get somebody a dunk? Why would you? We don't we don't have to be the great three point shooting team to win. We need to be a better foul shooting team. But what we need to do is what St. Louis was doing early in that game, and that is be judicious with the three-point shot. St. Louis, <coughs> excuse me, was very judicious early, and then they started taking too many of them. They ended up taking 17, which is, again, not that terrible. Only two for seven in the second half. Have a good night, Corey Parrott. And, yes, Bruce Stevenson, 48 points and a half for this team. Fantastic, but but that's where we go back to this all the time. Ace being the facilitator, that's the key. And granted, this 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 was more individual brilliance. They only had seven assists on sixteen made baskets. Granted, out of their about first six made baskets, they only had one assist, so they got better about that. But again, we had so many guys getting assists in the first half. Same thing here. Ace gets two. Kern gets one on that dunk at the end. Boy, Kern had a great second half. Golly, Moses. Johns gets one. Heck, Watkins gets two assists tonight. Jackson gets one. That's when we're playing at our best. And that's why that and the fact that they got some steals and runouts, these two made their final seven shots in the game. Final seven field goals they made. And I mean, that's, that's something to have – an 0 for 11 streak, like they did for eight minutes, and then a 7 for 7 streak. How many times you see that in a game, in the same game? Well, well, Chris Conway, they were supreme for the first 12 minutes. Remember, we got to the under eight. They had nine assists on 13 made baskets. They were playing great offense, and then they just stopped. They just stopped for those, for that eight minutes. 
and they were crediting St. Louis's defense, and they were doing the boxing one in the zone. And yes, yes, that probably helped a little bit, but it was it was VCU playing just ludicrous, ludicrous offense. I mean, stop! Everybody was trying to take it themselves, and that's the and that's the thing that they got to remember that. They can't afford these stretches if they get to the NCAA tournament. They certainly can't afford them in Brooklyn. And the way to stay out of it is make the extra pass. Because when this team makes the extra pass, they are a really good basketball team. And and they, you can't have an eight-minute stretch like that next week if we're playing Davidson in the one versus eight nine, or we're playing Fordham in the one versus four, or Duquesne. One versus five, as it could end up being, or Dayton in the championship, or St. Louis, or whoever it is. But whatever, they won the game. They are the number one seed of all the years to be the number one seed. This is the best year because this conference has been nuts all year. There have been crazy results, and look, VCU's going to win this conference and maybe go fifteen and three. But they had a crazy result at home losing to St. Bonaventure. And they should have had another one at Rhode Island. And they somehow wriggled off the hook there. Duquesne looked like a crazy result at the time. Now we know how good Duquesne is. But everybody, Dayton is lost. Dayton got blown up by freaking St. Bonaventure and lost at Rhode Island. And that's my point. Us being the one seed... I think there's going to be chaos on that other side of the bracket because as good as Dayton is tonight, and Dayton blew LaSalle out in the second half, Dayton has demonstrated that these lesser teams can give them a problem. They have demonstrated that time and again. That's why they're not winning this conference and VCU is. Plus, of course, the fact that they blew that game at home to VCU. They'll be thinking about that. They'd be thinking about that all the way to next year unless they beat us at the tournament and win the tournament because that that really that really is the reason, the biggest reason why VCU's winning this regular season tonight. That game and Zeb's freaking fantastic shot at Rhode Island, which I listened to. The, I've listened to that audio I don't know how many times. That, that about was it about 20 seconds of audio of Robbie and Rodney just losing it when he made that shot. I've listened to it about 20 times. I've watched it about 10 more, and I'm probably going to watch it several more times again because that's that saved that potentially saved the season in the championship. That shot. Well, that's an interesting question, Mike Urbanski. So we want Fordham to lose and get a four seed right. I think, <clears throat> and Ryan Thompson, I will put that. In the, in the comments in this video for you. Because I've got, I still have that link. Because I because it's in, because I saved it. I saved it in my Twitter. I'll get that for you. Um, Mike Urbanski, yes, for this reason. Yes, VCU could, could be vulnerable maybe to being a little overconfident against Fordham because they brushed Fordham aside. Like it was nothing. But if we get to play Fordham, there will be a lot of Fordham fans in that arena. You, I can promise you that. There will be a ton of Fordham fans in that arena. And that might be a good thing for VCU. Even though VCU will have plenty of fans themselves, 
Remember something, VCU has turned into a great road team. And quite frankly, the biggest concern I have for VCU in this tournament, and we've seen this in other tournaments, is, you know, when they the last time they were one seed playing that early game with not a lot of crowd, and they don't get they don't have the energy and they get in trouble. And they get in trouble, and even the VCU crowd can't rouse them. Having a lot of Fordham people there, and they're going to be loud and going crazy, bring that on because that that absolutely revs VCU's engine. Don't kid yourself. Look at the games VCU's played this year where they've played really well. And a lot of them have been in front of the biggest crowds, in front of the loudest crowds, and certainly on the road in hostile environments. Davidson... When they pulled that game out, even though they didn't make a three, winning that, winning that game at Rhode Island, although that wasn't a really good performance. Dayton comeback. Uh, they, I, I think Fordham being the four seed and being our semifinal opponent, if we get there, would be great. But we have got to, because remember now, Thursday, 11.30 a.m., that one versus eight or nine, VCU fans are going to have to provide some energy for this team to get going so that they're not kind of sleepwalking because that's what happened the last time <coughs> against, excuse me, against Rhode Island. We can't have that. Um, and Mike Urbanski answers Keith Lewis's question, absolutely. This isn't, this isn't the NFL where if you lose a game and you've already clinched and you, don't, you can't move up or down, whatever, no. If there really is a chance for an at-large, and Joe Lenardi has thrown that out there, and the, and the color announcer tonight was tub-thumping for uh, for VCU to be an at-large, you got to win at GW, because I think that'd be a quad three loss, maybe even a quad four, and then you got to go and win at least, the, you got to go and get to the final, and probably have to play Dayton or St. Louis in the final to have a chance, because I don't think you can lose the final to anybody else and make it at-large. So they gotta play, you gotta take this GW game like they've gotta win it to win the championship. And what I hope is that even though VCU's clinched the championship, and theoretically this game means nothing, I'm hoping to see what I've seen before and what I mentioned before, and that is a lot of VCU fans getting into that arena in Foggy Bottom and making some noise. I have seen some really good VCU crowds in that arena pre-pandemic. In fact, I, I seem to remember a couple different times when a very large VCU student section has gotten up in the rafters and made a, quite a ruckus up there, and I would love to see that on Saturday. I would love that. That is what we're looking for because we want to finish this season strong. You want to have momentum going into, going into Brooklyn. So you got to win this game. Keith Lewis normally normally winning the tourney is more important, and certainly it is this year. Winning the tourney is more important because it may be our only avenue in. But but winning the regular season is massive because again, it's 18 games of work. And you've had to put in this team's had to put in a lot of work. This team's had to ride some bumps and bruises. This team got dirt kicked in his face in the second game of the conference season. And remember, even in the five-game winning streak previous to that, they weren't playing well. They didn't play well against LaSalle. We all forget this, or maybe we all don't forget it. That LaSalle game was not good. 
They won going away, and it turns out LaSalle's a whole lot better than what we thought. But but at the time, we looked at LaSalle as a team that was going to be a definite pillow fight team and probably a team that's going to finish, you know, 14th or 15th in the league. <clears throat> and VCU labored in that game. Trailed most of the first half, didn't play well, then went to Duquesne and stunk it up. They overcame that and started to turn it around and play great. Then a couple of tough home losses. There were games that they quite frankly gave away, most of them at the foul line. They overcame that. And to go on the road and win and win and win like they have when they couldn't win on the road in non-conference, you just you gotta give this team a lot of credit. You gotta give this team a lot of credit. Well, Bruce Stevenson, we got him. As I've detailed before, we got unlucky with our non-conference schedule for the most part. Manhattan would have been a really good team, but they blew their season up 10 days before before the season started, and we still never got an answer as to why. A lot of our non-conference opponents had played way better than what they're supposed to. Jacksonville went the wrong way, and losing to them was a disaster. But if they had won that game at least, I think we'd be in a much better position to get that large. Because look, Kennesaw State won its regular season. It's in its conference semifinal after dodging a bullet against Queens. And if they can win two more home games, they're going to be in the tournament. Howard is number one in the MEAC after last night's <coughs> results. And they win one more game, they're going to win the regular season, be the number one seed there. They could go to the tournament. The ASU loss kills us because it would have been a quad one win. And we should have won that game. But we beat Pittsburgh, who if they can keep it going, could be the ACC regular season champion. And we'll probably, cross our fingers and toes, be a quad one game by the time we get to the, by the, time we get to the tournament weekend when they play. Maybe by the time we tip off on Thursday, they'll be a quad one win. Let us hope. <coughs> Even Northern Illinois, although they're about to lose tonight and fall under 500, they could still finish 500 in conference play, and they look like one of the worst teams in America when we played them. Navy is the two seed. If somehow something happens to Colgate in the Patriot League, Navy could win the Patriot League. Um, so for me, the non-conference schedule certainly came up light compared to last year. But, of course, we had to battle for Atlantis last year. So it was going to be hard to be as good as that, to have a good as non-conference schedule as that. And what, what really has killed us is the fact that everything just went so flat for the A-10 and non-conference play. Dayton had, went to the same tournament as us, blew that first game against Wisconsin, blew that game against BYU. They had all the injuries. St. Louis started out well and then kind of went flat in their non-conference and lost some bad games. Lost to you know, SIU Edwardsville at home and stuff like that. Should have beat Auburn on the road and didn't. You know, that's what's really killed us. Uh, Keith Lewis asked, who do we not want to play for the first game? Um, St. Bonaventure is not a bad answer, Bruce Stevenson. What annoys me about St. Bonaventure is that they finally won after they had that nice little run. Lost all those damn games. I kind of want to pay them back. I really want to pay them back, but maybe not in quarterfinal action. 
The one I don't want is – well, we're not going to play Duquesne in the first game. Don't have to worry about that. Duquesne's not going to fall into the pillow fight. The one that would worry me a little is Davidson because they are playing better. They just went to Duquesne and slapped them around pretty good. And let's face it, VCU blew them out, had a terrible start against them, and then had the three-point barrage when when Shriver went nuts and the whole team went nuts from the outside. And then, you know, Ace had to save us at the end of that game when we couldn't hit the broad side of a barn from the outside. Davidson would worry me a little bit if, if we play in the quarterfinal. And look, this is the test now, Mike Rhodes. One win away from the Siegel Center in postseason play in your whole tenure, and that came in year one. So you haven't won a postseason game away from the Siegel Center since winning that first-round game in the A-10 in 2018. So it is time to go to Brooklyn, where we've played very well and do right now. That starts by beating GW, of course. And I know we're, so we kind of we, we still have that game on Saturday. We want to go up there and play well and kind of continue the momentum. But Mike Rhodes, you got to come up with the goods now. You got a number one seed. You've got an A10 that's kind of all over the place. You may have anarchy on the other side of the bracket and get a lesser team in the final. There can be no excuses. Three wins in Brooklyn. That's what we better get. And if we don't get it, there's going to be some tough questions asked. Keith Lewis, Duquesne would be tough because of, of Trey Clark and because of how, 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 how physically tough they are. But you know what? I would love to play, pay Duquesne back because Duquesne's the only game this year in conference play where a team kind of kicked dirt in our face and threw us around and, made, and kind of made mincemeat of us. And me, me, I hope that the people in that locker room would see Duquesne and say, we are not going to have that again, and we're going to do something about that. Because that's the attitude you need to have is, this team kicked our ass, kind of embarrassed us, hot walked and danced all over us. Trey Clark throwing that ball against the backboard and dunking it. I know people have I really would hope that nobody in that locker room forgot that. And that is, that is a bill that needs to be paid. That is recompense that needs to be gained. So I, I understand where you're coming from, Keith Lewis. But it wouldn't bother me too much if, we had, if, if it turned out we got past the first game of that tournament and then, and then it was Duquesne in that semifinal. Wouldn't bother me too much because I would hope that this basketball team, having had that done to them in the regular season, would say, we're going to do something about it. And remember, when they won the, when the only time they won this tournament, Davidson did the same thing to them. Kicked dirt in their face, punked them, slapped them all over the Belk Arena, hot walked and shoe shuffled right all over them, and then VCU dropped a safe on them in the semifinal and blew them out of that damn arena and then won the tournament the next night against Dayton. So the history... There is, there is precedent for this. There is precedent for VCU getting revenge in the tournament after someone's done a number on them. So I, I, I'm a little concerned about Davidson if we have to play them first. 
Because, of course, they'll have played a game and won if that's the case. I would, would I be concerned about a third game with St. Louis as somebody else would be? I think it was Daniel Carter. Yeah, that, that might bother me a little bit because, again, it's hard to beat a team, good team three times. But I'm telling you, given the nature of St. Louis and Dayton and playing the way they've played this year, I, I think if they, they end up on the other side of the bracket, I think it's entirely possible neither of them will make the final because they have both had problems with lower teams in the conference this year. And that's what they're going to face. And like I say, I am envisioning a situation where VCU finds its way through and in there playing some 7 or 6 seed or 11 seed or 10 seed in the final. I really do think it could be one of those years in the A-10 where things just fall our way completely. We just got to take advantage of it. And yes, Dan Gaytanis, I don't know how much of a chance there is of playing Richmond in a quarterfinal, but brother, if, we, if we're talking about making getting bills paid that are due and recompense being got, Richmond, we still owe Richmond. Sweeping them's great and fine and dandy, but they still got that win over us in the tournament last year, and the only way to make that right would be to volleyball spike them this year in the tournament. So, yes. And, of course, again, they will have played the day before, so they'll have that advantage. Fine. I, I'm a big believer in getting revenge. I'm a very big believer in that. So, these teams that have done stuff to us, I, I, make, I want that to be made up for. And I would be very happy if we got those opportunities. But we put a lot of cards before the horse. George Washington Saturday. Uh, let me see here. Is that a – let me see what freaking doggone thing it is because, um, you know, I didn't even look to see what the television is on that. So one second. Or the, or the start time. The start time is what? It's USA Network 430. That might be a little complicated in terms of watching it. I may have to get a stream, but I should be with you live in the good and the bad and the ugly group. And, of course, for those of you in podcast land, it'll be out the next day, which will be Sunday. Remember, for those of you listening in podcast land, join us in the Good and the Bad and the Ugly group. Game threads. We check on everybody else uh, in the VCU program. We've had so many people posting stuff for track and for baseball, and I really appreciate it. By the way, VCU wins the indoor track. On the women's side, wins the A-10 indoor track title for the third year running. Great job, ladies. Congratulations. So we do we do that. We're always monitoring our non-conference opponents and what's going on the rest of the conference. We'll be doing a lot of that tomorrow night because tomorrow night, big, big, <coughs> big conference schedule tomorrow night, Wednesday night. And a whole lot of uh, our non-conference uh, teams are going to be playing because we're getting down to it. It's the last week of the regular season for a lot of teams. And some tournaments as well. And tomorrow, that is Wednesday, VCU by the numbers. Seating position, bracket positions, Ken Palm, all that good stuff. Net rating, maybe we'll be in quad one win territory. Pittsburgh or Dayton, maybe we'll be winning quad, more, be in quad one win territory with one of them. Uh, we'll be looking at it. We'll be looking at the stats. Uh, uh, the stats, uh, the free throw stats nationally. 
uh, where we sit on those tonight, all of that. So be on the lookout for that tomorrow in the afternoon. I want to thank everybody in the game thread for the comments because, as always, the game threads are fun. I want to thank everybody in the live video for the comments. As always, it helps the podcast. I want to thank everybody in podcast land for listening. Thank you for joining us on this Rams Rewind, and it is a special one because VCU, number one for the regular season in the Atlantic 10, regular season A-10 champs outright for just the second time, the second time in the Mike Rhodes era. That is something to celebrate, absolutely celebrate for several days, and that's what we're all going to do. Well done to the players who fought through a lot of things all year. Well done to this coaching staff, who we've criticized a lot in certain circumstances, but has done a really great job. This was not this was not a team that was the best team in this conference in December. This was not a team that looked like it could win its conference in December. They deserve a lot of credit, everybody, for doing it. So thank you all. Thank you for listening. We'll see you Saturday. Have a good night, everybody. Congratulations. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.